Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, April 4th, Easter Sunday. Thank you for listening, and if you would like to view the service in its entirety, please go to our Facebook or YouTube page by following one of the links in the podcast notes. Also, we would like to invite you to please support our ministry here at Beach Grove through your tithes and offerings. We have both physical and online giving opportunities, and we encourage you to reach out to us if you have any questions about giving. You can contact our office by emailing us at office at beachgroveumc.org, calling our office at 757-538-8353, or you can message us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we would encounter your resurrected spirit and grow closer in relationship with you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, if you uh, joined us this morning in our uh, virtual sunrise service this morning, you, you heard the story of John. You heard the story of the resurrection from the Gospel of John. And we heard the story of the garden and the coming to the tomb, Mary's interaction with the empty tomb. We saw the disciples run to encounter the tomb as well. And we saw Mary's interaction with a gardener who turned out to be Jesus himself the resurrected Christ. This is a story, an image of the resurrection that many of us are probably familiar with. And yet, when we open our Bibles and when we hear this story of the resurrection from Mark, it seems so decidedly different. 
It's hard to make sense what Mark is getting at when he tells this story. From the characters who approach the tomb to the abrupt ending, Mark's telling does not appear to be the happy celebration that we often make Easter out to be, that we often hear in our stories of the resurrection. Even more so, why would, why would anybody want to preach this resurrection story when we have that beautiful imagery from John or Matthew or Luke? Well, it's because Mark's storytelling style are the font, are, invite us to consider an important aspect of our faith. These eight verses read this morning, they are the final verses of the Gospel of Mark. Now, if you were to open your Bible to the Gospel of Mark, you will probably see another 11 verses that follow it. That's because, after, that's because the original transcripts don't include those last 11 verses. What is believed to be the original transcript of Mark stops where Katrina finished reading for us this morning. In fact, those last 11 verses being disputed, we stop ourselves there at verse 8. And as we read into it, we see that the message of the resurrection truly means the nature in which Christ's works save us, even when we may feel paralyzed against it. And namely, we think mostly of God's acts of salvation. How they often happen even in spite of our best efforts. Think of where we have been the past seven weeks. We've been looking at these covenants in both the Old Testament and as we came into the New Testament this past week. With these covenants, we began to encounter the nature of God as we experience. And as we came to the end of our series the manner in which this covenant that Jesus made with his disciples and thereby us in the Last Supper is a manner of salvation. But you see, there's one thing that we have not addressed in talking about covenant. And that is this nature of reconciliation. In God coming to earth, God sought to atone for the God sought atonement for the people of God. And in that, God sought to create this manner in which we experience reconciliation, not just with God, but with the rest of humanity as well. And for centuries, we as Christians have seen this and experienced this and understand this through the lens of Christ's resurrection. It is, through, it is God's actions in Jesus that we are brought to know and understand the fullness of God's love and grace as it exists in this world. If God's love already exists, then what does it truly mean for us to respond to the resurrection? We are writing the end of Mark's gospel. We, are the, we live out in our lives the example of Jesus' ministry. And so I will say that it doesn't benefit us to spend our time unpacking why Mark stops. Why Mark stops here and is telling of the good news. Rather, let's see what Mark writes. 
And as we did before in our early looking at chapter Mark, at the Gospel of Mark this year, continue the story in our lives. While the characters seem different, the plot is the same. There are some manner of women here in Mark. We are told that it is Mary, Martha, Mary Magdalene, and then this other woman, Salome. And they come to the tomb early on the first day of the week. The stone has already been rolled away, which I think for many of us, with how heavy we're told the stone is, might puzzle many of us just as it puzzles the women. And when they enter, they do not see Jesus. Not even a resurrected Jesus. They don't see a body laying where they had left it, but they see what is described as this young man, this angelic figure. And Mark records this interaction. But he, that is this angelic figure, said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And now here's the interesting part, because here is Mary, Martha, Mary, and Salome's response. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The resurrection has occurred, and the women have done nothing. In fact, even what they came to do, they could not do because the body was not there. The resurrection has left them paralyzed by both terror and amazement. However, this is the awesome thing about the resurrection. The resurrection does not happen because of us. Because the story's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about Mary. It's not about Martha. It's not about Mary Magdalene. It's not about Peter. It's not about any of the disciples. Yes, they all and we all become key players in the gospel and in God's story. But that's what it is. This is God's story. This is God's story through Jesus. It is about what happens to Jesus, not what happens to us. And maybe Mark is trying to get us to understand that. Maybe the gospel writer wants the reader to know and fully understand whose story it is so that we, even thousands of years later, know who the focus is meant to be on. And maybe this is why we continually need this Easter message. Because maybe sometimes we lose sight about what this is, about who this is truly about, and about whose story we are truly telling. Unfortunately, we as humans try to control the narrative. We like to read John or some of the other resurrection stories because, because we want the answer of what it is we are supposed to do. We want to understand how we are meant to react and respond to the resurrection. However, do we truly ever just sit, sit with the resurrection and think about what is actually happening? 
Do we ever ponder that the resurrection isn't about us? And do we ever try and encounter the resurrection without trying to figure out how to share it and let the resurrection speak for itself? I gotta tell you, as a pastor who likes to talk, I find that very difficult. Every year, I always have two choices of gospel lessons that I can preach from on Easter. When I'm preaching the lectionary, I can preach John, which I love to do because I know that because when I look back at my sermon manuscripts for Easter, six times I have preached John. Or I can preach the other one, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, in a three-year cycle. And especially when it comes to Mark, I tend to rely on John because Mark leaves us with that uncomfortable feeling. You see, I love the running of the disciples. I love seeing Peter and John run to the tomb in a foot race. I love the dejected feeling they have when they leave the tomb and then Mary meeting Jesus in the garden. The role that she plays, both helpless and yet strong in being the first to preach about the resurrected Savior. But you know what? Here in Mark, here in Mark, no one goes and tells. And only in Mark are the words described for the people who witnessed the resurrection terror and amazement. Because I think if we're being honest with ourselves, Mark gets pretty close to, to what the actual feelings of the resurrection might look like. The blank space after Mark the manuscript and letter that we see in our Bibles, those 11 verses that we often, uh, that are often marked as not part of the original manuscript, they try and tell that story of what happens, of where they go after, the, after Mary and Martha and Mary and Salome see the resurrection. But the original manuscript leaves it there, feeling both terror and amazement. And yet... It's a witness to the story of Christ. It's a witness to God's story, to God's act of resurrection, to God's mighty acts of salvation in humanity. And it is up to us to think about the rest of the story. This is a reflection that I read this week from our United Methodist uh, Church's web uh, commentary webpage, uh, they, they reflect on who is who in Easter. Why we are. We are someone because of Easter. We are who we are, not by our doing, but by the grace of God. We are made new, not because we earned it, but because God gives it. We have hope, not because we are strong enough to work it or respond to it or claim it. We have hope because God gives it. And because the resurrected Jesus leads us home, you will see him. He told you that. You will see him, and in seeing him, you will know who is who. I think that's what Mark is getting at. It's less about figuring out how to tell the story, and it's more realizing how the story impacts us. Because when we realize how the story impacts us, 
friends, then telling the story becomes second nature. Telling the story becomes living the story. Remember the source of our covenant. Remember the source of our love, the source of our hope. It is all God. And we will encounter God. Why? Because God will always be there. And I like to think that in the women's sphere, Jesus met them. Jesus met them with the disciples when they got back. And he comforted them. As they confirmed the message that Jesus was resurrected. The resurrection was still proclaimed and the word of God conveyed. And yet it made space for the true nature of the story to shine through. They left that tomb in terror and amazement. And when they got to the disciples, they were met with Christ's comforting grace and presence. It made way for God's grace and peace to permeate into the space. When are we going to get out of God's way and do the same? God has a message of grace and peace that we often try and twist and contort to fill our own desires of who God is. We have created divisions. We have focused our intentions on judgment in the face of oppression. We have demonized the poor to lift up the rich. We have forgotten the very nature of our calling and we have manipulated God so that God is almost unrecognizable. But you see, the story of the resurrection is that the story has already been written. And the role that we play is to experience the story so that it becomes a part of our life. Easter teaches us that we cannot rewrite the story. All we can do is let the story be told and be there to both witness and testify to its amazement and yes, even maybe its terror. How are you arriving with Jesus and letting Jesus be the story? Amen.